Welcome to the Pain-Free Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Mariah Heller, and if there's one thing I've learned after being a fitness and health professional and a chronic pain sufferer for over a decade, it's that every body is unique. On this show, I sit down with health and wellness experts in an effort to gather as many different perspectives, journeys, and philosophies as possible. Join me in cultivating a collective growth mindset and challenge yourself to take away just one key point from each episode that inspires you to think or behave differently. Have a pain-free day and enjoy this episode. What is going on, beautiful people? Mariah here from Pain-Free Fitness. And if this is your first time listening, welcome. And if not, I will just tell you again, my main goal with this podcast is to really have some interesting conversations that help to cultivate a collective growth mindset in the fitness, wellness, wellness and health industries. And the way that I believe we can get started on the path to doing that is by having a lot of conversations with people of diverse professional backgrounds who are passionate about their work, who know a lot about what they know, and just kind of seeing where that discussion and conversation goes. And so my challenge to you today, and for myself as well, always my personal intent is to walk away with at least one key insight, maybe something that I didn't think about before, a way that I can think about something differently, how I can serve my clients better, so on and so forth. So just set that intention for yourself today. And uh, I think with our guests, that will be a really easy thing to do because her resume is quite impressive. So Holly Perkins, uh, she is a certified strength and conditioning specialist. She's a women's strength expert, and she's also a speaker. Uh, she is the author of Lift to Get Lean and contributing writer for numerous magazines, including Women's Health, Prevention, Self, Shape, and Fitness. As a personal trainer, she's worked with some pretty well-known names, including a presidential candidate. And uh, you can see her in numerous exercise videos. Her website, hollyperkins.com, has a bunch of those on it, as well as a lot of other awesome resources. And I think we align on a lot of stuff. And you'll also be able to give my audience some information that we haven't really covered before on the podcast. So Holly, welcome and thank you for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I totally agree. I think you and I are so aligned on a lot of philosophies and certainly our approach to helping people. So I'm super excited to be here. I'm really excited too. And I think that the first thing I would be curious about, because you have had such a long and such a, a really impressive career in fitness, I usually find that people that have cultivated such an, an amazing career have a pretty strong mission. And sometimes that's based off of personal experience. So I would love to hear about your background and what brought you to where you are today. Oh my goodness, such a good question. And you just so nailed it. Um, I agree. I think anyone who stays in their profession for a very long time, it's usually because there's a personal mission. And that's certainly true for me. Um, my career started mostly because when I was younger, I didn't know what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be when I grew up. But my mom forced me to go to college and she said, you know, I don't really care what you do or what direction you want to go, but you have to go to college. And I didn't have a lot of um, aspirations at the time. I just didn't. And so the only thing that I really knew that I loved was exercise. It was the one and only time when I so felt alive. I felt like the best version of me. I felt like it just lifted me in so many ways. So I... I decided to follow this career path in the world of exercise. And back then, this is 30 years ago, there weren't a lot of accredited programs in exercise. <laughs> but thankfully, I got accepted into an incredible university, the Pennsylvania State University in exercise physiology and nutrition. And that started everything. It really started from following my bliss, just truly loving this whole exercise thing. Over the years, what kept me in the industry and kept me coming back really honestly and truly was stumbling my own way through life. And I started to see all of the power and all of the metaphors in, in strength training and life. 
And the more I leaned into life, the more I leaned into what I teach as well as my own practice of strength training. And it's the one thing that I continue to come back to um, life hurdle after life hurdle. It's the thing that always brings me back to life. And so you know, um, I think it was Ayn Rand was credited along, I won't get any of the actual quotes correct, but she was credited with the notion of altruism and altruism really being that in order for me to help the world, I have to first help myself. So in some ways, altruism is selfish. And I really, like, I really grasp that. It's like, I selfishly love this thing and I see all the value it can bring to me. And therefore I want to share it with the world, but it starts with my own love of it. And so it really is truly a passion because I have found that there's such, um, as my health and my fitness have gotten better, my life has gotten better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I really relate to that. And I think about that quite a bit too. I don't remember what college course it was that I heard that the theory on altruism in, but I, I think about that quite a bit because um, I, I work a lot with the chronic pain community and even, even beyond that, just working in fitness in general, one of the best parts of this job is that you get to see other people make huge strides in whether it's their pain or their, you know, their weight loss or their just general fulfillment. And I think about that quite a bit too. It's like, I, is it, this makes me feel good. <laughs> like, yes, I want to do this, but it makes me feel good too. <laughs> you know, in addition yeah. to kind of seeing other people thrive. And, um, and, and I think that's huge. You know, I'm curious too, um, because you mentioned that you started in the industry, what was it, 20 years ago now? 30. 30. So at that time, so you graduated college, what was kind of your pathway into being a professional trainer? What did that look like? Oh, that's an interesting story. Okay. So I, while I was at Penn State at the time, Penn State was in the top three universities in the world for exercise physiology mm -hmm. and being an academic background, um, all of my professors, well, all of us, not all of us, but a lot of us in the exercise physiology department were really encouraged to go down the path of exercise physiology, cardiac rehabilitation, more of the medical side of fitness. So being a good student, I thought that I was going to be going down that path of cardiac rehabilitation, working in a hospital, working with people who had heart transplants and heart bypass and heart attacks, those kind of things. So I did my final year um, applied. I forget exactly what it was, but it was like the final internship that you have to do your senior year in cardiac rehabilitation in a hospital in Michigan, one of the best cardiac hospitals in the entire world, shout out to Beaumont Hospital in Troy, Michigan. And I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. And I could share why, but it doesn't matter because it's a wonderful profession. But I remember I was there and I was just not loving it. And I was having this crisis. I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm an academic. I know how to run the EKG machine. I know how to take someone through a stress test, right? Like this is what I'm built for, but I don't enjoy it. Yeah. So as I was having my crisis, I'll never forget. I was staying with a, at a friend's house during this internship and she had an old issue of Vanity Fair magazine. And on the cover was this beautiful uh, was it Vanity Fair? It was either, yeah, it was Vanity Fair, actually. It was this beautiful um, architectural new fitness facility that was opening in New York City. So I opened it up and it was this seven or five or six page spread of this high-end medically oriented fitness facility that was opening in New York City the month that I finished my internship. And I literally picked up the phone and I was like, this is Holly Perkins. I don't know what you need in terms of your staffing, but you need to hire me. <laughs> I'm like, I know I've got the skills that you guys need. If you're a medically based fitness facility, I got the skills. And I blindly flew to New York City. I got the job. And that was where my career started in fitness and 
while I was helping them with a lot more of the exercise physiology, I was also a personal trainer. And it's where I got to work with a lot of A-list celebrities. It's where my career started. I was like out of the gates and had like the most amazing job ever. And it really came from that crisis of being like, oh, this isn't feeling good, but I know I want to stay in the fitness industry. And so that's how it started. I got to, I got the most incredible education as a personal trainer. I studied under Pat Menachia, the facility that I was referring to is La Palestra Center for Preventative Medicine. They're still in New York City. He's still a dear friend of mine. And it still is this magnet for um, a lot of people in the know in the fitness industry. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so you were, you were working there primarily in kind of the, I mean, as a trainer, also in the exercise physiology side, um, did you, at what point did you kind of branch out and maybe start doing your own thing and, and start diversifying a little bit? So I had lived in New York city for about 10 years and I loved it. I was a personal trainer all those years. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to say that I was born and raised in Pennsylvania, but I grew up in New York city. And after about 10 years being there, I just was really burnt out of the city and I had a calling to come to Los Angeles. So I picked up, I knew no one, I moved to Los Angeles And that is where, again, I think following your bliss is so powerful. I just wanted to move to California. It didn't make any sense. I was leaving all of my clientele behind in New York City. I knew no one in Los Angeles. And as soon as I got there, I just started thriving. I often say that I was like struggling to survive for 10 years in New York City. And then when I got to LA, I just started thriving. So when I moved to LA, um, really and truly, I just think that um, life unfolded for me. I got a few phone calls. My reputation had kind of preceded me, preceded me. Yeah. And I started creating fitness videos for exercise TV. This was back in, gosh, 2005, 2006, quite a while ago. And then from exercise TV, it just opened up so many different relationships and opportunities. And that is where I really started to branch out from being a personal trainer. I stayed a personal trainer and I'm still a personal trainer at heart to some degree. But through those years, after writing Lift to Get Lean, after getting to work with the magazines, creating fitness videos and working for large corporations, it just sort of broadened my perspective on all of the things that I could do in the fitness industry beyond being an hourly personal trainer. I don't have a problem with being an hourly personal trainer at all. It's a wonderful profession. I just got really excited about all of the different aspects of the fitness industry. And I wanted to do a little bit of all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many ways you can go uh, when it comes to fitness and health and wellness in general. Um, And I feel like a lot of people kind of get stuck in feeling like they have to do the, you know, I trade one hour of my time for an hour of your time. And that's all my career is ever going to be. And you have to have kind of a a growth mindset. Maybe like you were saying, you have to maybe feel like you're struggling a little bit in order to branch out and figure out what else you're good at. Um, some like burning question. This is just kind of like something that popped into my head as you were talking. It's a little bit controversial, but I'm sure you've seen kind of the, the evolution of fitness as it relates to social media over the years. Um, what do you feel like is kind of the best result that has come from that? And what do you feel like is the worst thing that has come? Oh gosh, that's such a good question. <laughs> oh, that's loaded. Okay. The best. <laughs> Oh, dear Lord, the best. Okay, it's a double-edged sword Mm -hmm. or two sides of the same coin. I think what's best is that has given a lot of people opportunities. And I think it's really wonderful that people like me have been able to grow beyond being a geographically-based personal trainer. I think that is the most incredible thing that social media has done for us is there are a lot of people that it gave opportunities to. It has opened up the world to be educated. It has given you free resources at your fingertips. And I think that's wonderful. Now, you know, that double-edged sword and, and two sides of the same coin is it also has lowered the bar. 
And there was a time in our industry where you had to have credentials and certifications and experience to really work in a profession. And social media has removed that. We're in the day and age of the influencer. And while you may love the personality or the story of some of the people that you follow in the fitness industry on social media, it doesn't mean that they're credentialed or that they're educated or that they have experience working with people. And that is the part of social media I get so worried about because I get the phone calls when someone says, well, so-and-so's Instagram page told me to eat this and drink that and work out like this. And it's somewhat generic information that people are desperate for change and to be healthier. So they do what the person who has half a million followers on Instagram does, but that doesn't mean it's right for your goals or your health. And so it really is a double-edged sword. It really is. I think you've got to take all the good from it, but Um, as Tony Robbins says, stand guard at the doors of your mind when it comes to social media. He says that about life in general, but you know, that's a quote that has stuck with me. Stand guard at the doors of your mind when you're opening up your Instagram. And literally every time I open my Instagram, that's what I have to do is you've got to protect yourself so that you're really staying conscious about that information. A hundred percent. And I I think that's probably exactly what I would say as well. It's like, on the one hand, there's a lot of information and that's good. On the other hand, there's a lot of information. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. And I, I think one of the, one of the things that I've really tried to move away from, and unfortunately this is a result of, I think the barrier to entry being so low for the fitness industry is that, there's a lot of people that come into it thinking that the one thing that they know is the best thing for everybody. And you have to be able to look at social media and just at the internet in general right now through the lens of like a scientist. Um, And a lot of people don't do that. And I don't know about you, but I know I spend a lot of time kind of tempering uh, those, you know, requests and things that I hear from my clients that I don't blame them for, but I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't really work that way. Like, (laughs) you know, I don't recommend you do that. It's up to you, but (laughs) yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I, I am curious too, you are very multi-passionate in, in the fitness industry. I am too. And I, I'm sure there are some things right now that just kind of kind of light you up more than other things. Um, what do you feel like are you, are you most passionate about at this moment when it comes to your career? Yeah. And I think this is where you and I are aligned. Um, my, my conversation in my community is very much about using strength training proper strength training (laughs) and intentional nutrition to really build the body that you need to keep up with the life that you love. And as we all get older, as you get a year older, we start to realize that this physical body that we're in is organic matter and it does break down over time. And fitness to me is no longer about aesthetics or looking sexy. And and that's okay if you do. I'm not putting that down at all. If you want washboard abs or to get into your skinny jeans, I think that is a very valid, respectable motivation. But for me, and I think where the world is going is that that's kind of the icing on the cake. The, The real meat, the real cake, the real cupcake and value of what we do is improving who you are and how you are and how you feel. So what I'm extra passionate about is using strength training to improve your life so that you're pain-free, so that you feel stable, so that you you have enough energy to get through your day so that you're pleasant to your partner or your loved ones, so that on the weekends you want to get up and run and dance and play with your friends or your children or your partner, whomever it may be, so that you really have this physical body that allows you to live a big life. And I want you to feel sexy and look hot and have an awesome booty, but that is the icing on the cake. Like that's, that's, that's the extra good stuff. And so I'm really passionate about helping women 
understand how to take the information that you and I have just been talking about and apply it to themselves so that they're able to be successful. And I'm sure you see this, you know, we get messages and emails from people every single day where it's like, I'm doing all the things, but it's not working. And there's a lot of information in the world that doesn't, information isn't all you need to reach your goals and get progress. It's not, it's more than that. It's understanding what your motivations are, what your specific goals are, and then understanding how to weed through, just like you said, all all of that information to make sure you're using proven strategies to get you to your goal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I have, as you were talking, another question came into my mind, but I don't want to make any assumptions. So I'm going to ask you something first. What is the most common goal that you hear from first-time clients, uh, particularly women? Like what's the most common thing they come to you for? You know, it's funny. I think because I've been in the industry for a long time and I definitely do my best to share my philosophies with the world and my community, people come to me for specific things now. And so what I hear the most is I just want to feel better. I want to feel good in my body. I want to be healthy. I want to age gracefully and I want to feel tight and toned and athletic. Mm. They don't say I want to look tight and toned and athletic. They actually say, I want to feel tight, toned, athletic. So, you know, I think that that is a um, filtered response because people know why they're coming to me. And that is what I want to help people to do. I don't say, come to me if you want to look hot and sexy. That's not my kind of marketing language. My marketing language isn't a weight loss expert, even though I am a weight loss expert, that's not what I sell. And so really what I sell is I want you to feel awesome and be amazing and feel awesome and have the physical 3D body to keep up with life. And that's that's my specialty. That's beautiful. And it's great that you've narrowed your message so much that people are now seeing it through that lens, even when they come to you, right? Um, Was there ever a point in your career where people were coming to you with just, I want to lose 10 pounds in the next month. I want to, I want to lose weight for my next vacation. Um, How quickly can we make this happen? And when you encountered that, how did you shift people's mindsets? Cause I'm sure there's some people that are listening. They're like, I don't care about any of that. I just want to look good naked, you know, whatever it is. How do you shift the mindset from the short-term instant gratification, focusing kind of on the, the surface level thing to going deeper into the why? How do you do that for people without kind of knocking them off of their pink cloud? Yeah, I think the truth, the truth really is you can have both. And so a lot of people think I want to, just like you said, get in shape fast, lose 10 pounds fast. We can do that. We can definitely do that. But the strategy to get you there is rarely sustainable and rarely sticks around. So we can do that if you want. And this is, I always give my client the choice. And I say, if that is really all that matters to you, we'll do it because there are strategies and ways of getting you fast results. It's true. But what good does it do if it doesn't stick around, if it's not sustainable, and if you haven't learned something? Because the truth is when we train you properly from the perspective of, let's say, muscle balance or joint stability or mobility or um, proper development of your different major muscle groups. When we do that, the side effect is that you also look awesome. So you're going to not only look awesome and lose the weight, you're also going to be awesome and be more athletic. And that's going to stick around longer. Muscle sticks around longer, but it takes longer to build. And so when we go down that path, it might take us a little longer to get you to your goal it's going to stick around. So most of the time when I phrase it to people like that and give them the choice, they usually say, you're right. You know, I do want to lose the weight fast. Can we split, can we split it down the middle or, you know, can we compromise and try to 
um, set, set it up so that I can continue to get progress down the road. Mm, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I, I'm sure once people start to see, I've experienced this, it's like, they might be a little skeptical at first. And then once they start to see how good they feel and they get through that first four to six weeks and they actually start to maybe see some visible changes, even if it's not as quickly as they thought, they're like, oh, I see what you mean now. <laughs> After years of yo-yo dieting and you know doing the rapid fat loss thing and all of that, I think that the results really speak for themselves, it sounds like. Yeah. And switching gears a little bit into nutrition. So nutrition is one of the things that like, I am a certified nutrition coach. I, I think it's hugely important. Um, I also do not do a lot of nutrition work with my clients because it is a very emotional topic for people. And that is tough for me to handle just in the sake of kind of radical, you know, radical transparency. Um, that has always been a very challenging thing. And so I feel like as a nutrition coach, you, you double a little bit. And as a fitness coach, you do as well, but especially around food into like the, the psychological and the emotional pieces. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about that? And how true is that statement for you? So such a great, important question. Yeah. I have a very unique perspective on it that is unusual. And I don't just, I don't say that to make myself sound all, you know, markety and gimmicky, but it really is a different approach that has worked personally for me through the years and also for my clients, which is, I really, I really believe, and this is just my experience. Definitely. I've got research to back it up, but I really believe that when we find the right nutritional strategy for you. It tends to stabilize your biology. Mm. And when you stabilize your biology, mm. you tend to be a lot more stable emotionally. Mm. We know that our physical body, um, our, our physiology and our biology from our nutrition is very responsible for brain neurotransmitters, the health of our gut. You know, we often talk about how the gut is the second brain and that a very high percentage of your serotonin is created in your gut. So there's a lot of research that shows or proves you are what you eat. And I really believe that when we can clear up your nutrition, some of the emotional stuff, some of the behavior stuff, some of the ways of thinking, some of the psychology, some of your problems with brain fog or low self-esteem can actually be remedied through nutrition. So what I often do, if, if, if someone comes to me and they're really struggling with the emotional side of food, the first thing I always do is get them on the right nutritional plan to stabilize, make them stable, stabilize blood sugar, make sure that you're getting enough carbohydrates, because if you're not getting enough carbohydrates, your blood sugar is going to bottom out. You're going to be cranky. You're not going to have any energy. You're going to be starving. You're going to be not able to avoid eating the entire pizza. And so it really changes our behavior as well as our mood, our psychology, a lot in terms of who we are emotionally and psychologically based on how we eat. Mm -hmm. And so I, I rarely hit the emotional side of nutrition straight on the head by working from psychology. I always start biology first, because if you get your biology first, it tends to clear up a lot of the emotional stuff. And then you can see the forest for the trees. Are you really emotionally eating or are you just hungry? Are you really, um, unable to avoid the chocolate chip cookie because it's your emotional crutch or are you just needing more carbohydrates and fats because you ate protein all day long and you had a hard workout right and so if you get really clear on basic nutrition 
it tends to clear up a lot of the emotional stuff. And then when it comes to the emotional stuff, I am also trained. I have a two-year degree in spiritual psychology that is the equivalent of a master's. It's not a formal a master's program. It used to be a formal, formal master's program, but I am able to work with people from basic psychology. But when someone's really got like big emotional struggles around food, I just say, I'm not your coach. I'm not the right person to really be working through this. Yeah, that's, it's really important to be able to do that. Um, and it, I mean, that, that's a super interesting approach. It's one that I haven't heard exactly before, but um, Andrew Huberman, I don't know if you know who he is, um, but he, he has some interesting research about, um, uh, what does he say? He says, it's very difficult to calm the mind using the mind or something like that. And yeah. so that's biology first. Yeah. So Absolutely. he's really big on yeah. that. It's biology yeah. first. And, you know, like I said, this is my perspective and my angle, but yeah. there are a lot of experts with way more credentials than me cool. that second the same thing that I agree with. So, yeah, I mean, biology is chemistry. It's everything. And a lot of how we think comes from our hormones as well as our neurotransmitters, all of those chemicals and things that impact our mind and how we feel, it's huge. Now, when it comes to getting someone on the right meal plan and, and nutritional strategy for them, what are the techniques that you use to determine what that approach is gonna be? So from research, we know that human basic biology, basic physiology, nutrition 101, we know that human needs, needs a certain amount of protein, fat, and carbohydrates every day. That's what we're built for. So we don't need to hack anything. We just need to give you proper basics. So I draw from basic physiology, nutrition, and biology to first do an assessment to determine, are you getting a ballpark of the right amount of protein, fat, and carbohydrates? Let's just start with the numbers. Are you getting the right numbers? And if you are, where are those numbers coming from? What are the sources of those numbers? And that alone fixes seven out of 10 of my clients. Just getting the numbers straight you get to decide if you want to eat brown rice or no grains. You get to decide if you want to be vegan or vegetarian or um, omnivore. It's getting the numbers in place because again, it goes back to physics and biology and just basic human physiology and nutrition is chemistry. So I do an assessment. I see where they are and we tweak it to this basic ballpark and literally like magic that almost always changes things. If that doesn't, then I start to troubleshoot a little bit farther based on symptoms. What are your symptoms? Is it energy? Is it constipation? Is it food cravings? Is it mood? Is it depression? Is it anxiety? Um, are you bloated? Do you have inflammation? So symptomatically, I take a look at what are the complaints after we clear up a little bit, and then I troubleshoot further. And even though I'm going to say this with a disclaimer, because I know that it is a controversial topic, I have gotten and seen unbelievable success by following some of the very basic tenets of eating according to blood type. And so as a last step effort, when I've got a, let's call it a more ch a challenging nutrition case, I will say, what's your blood type? Because an A should be eating very differently than an O. And again, if you're, if you're watching this and you're listening this and you disagree with it, I get it. I understand after 30 years of being in the industry and practicing this, I have seen unbelievable benefits come from the basic tenets of eating according to your blood type. Super interesting. Yeah. And you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of reasons an approach might work for, for a specific coach, you know, but it's also, I think having that experience with people, you can't really substitute that. Um, and uh, that's, I mean, it's huge, especially with how much, how much the nutritional industry sways as far as what's kind of in from time to time, being able to build your own kind of data sets based off of what you've seen, I'm sure is, is hugely important. And is there any 
kind of primary struggle or obstacle that you see with, with uh, women in particular when it comes to nutrition? I would say the first is um, competing intentions in terms of strategy. So their nutrition strategy is not matching their energy output from workouts. Mm -hmm. High intensity workouts, low carb lifestyle. It's not compatible. A lot of cardio, not enough calories. And so incompatible strategy, which is why, just like you said, being in the fitness industry, we have to have strong knowledge of nutrition because they do go hand in hand. They really do. So I would say the biggest thing is listening to all of the media headlines and trying to take what's popular over here and what's popular over there and what's popular that your friend had success on and formulating your own strategy. A lot of times that doesn't work. It, you're, you have to have a united front in your goals, your strategies, and what you're actually doing, your nutrition and your fitness programming. It all has to come together to work together. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a really really good point. Um, because you're you're absolutely correct. It's there's so much information and so much weird information out there that that can be kind of difficult to wade through. Um, and even when whenever anyone has competing priorities in the fitness space, I've always found that to be a problem. Because it's not that you can't accomplish more than one thing at a time, um, but it's going to make it a lot harder and take a lot longer to get to the to that that place you want to be. You know, right. so I think all of us have had that that client that's you know you're like, all right, what's what's your main goal for the next ninety days? And they're like, well, I want to, you know, lose ten pounds and gain twenty pounds of muscle, <laughs> exactly, run a marathon and compete in a powerlifting meet. And you're just like, <laughs> exactly. ooh. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I'm here for the enthusiasm, but that's, it's <laughs> a lot going on there. Totally. Um, so that, yeah, no, that, that makes a ton of sense and, um, steering it a little bit more kind of narrowing in on maybe the, the primary audience that listens to this podcast, is there a certain set of either considerations or even like general recommendations that you give to people who are struggling with chronic pain or connective tissue disorders? So, I, I, you know, I, there definitely is not one path that I go because it's so unique and I know you know that. So yeah. there isn't one strategy that I use because it depends on what's the pain coming from. Was it a car crash or was it an occupational repetitive um, movement that you're making, right? Are you a factory worker and that's why your elbow hurts? Do you play tennis or did you have an accident. Mm -hmm. So I definitely don't have one thing. If, if I had to distill all of that down, I would say where there's pain, there's dysfunction. So we have to figure out what the dysfunction is mm -hmm. outside of traumatic pain, traumatic injuries, acute injuries, acute trauma. Outside of that, I really believe that most certainly joint pain comes from an imbalance at the joint. So the joint's not at an, in a balanced position and your joint is in the position it's in because of the muscles around the joint. So I definitely really believe in approaching pain from, okay, which muscles are weak, which muscles are compensating? What does, what do your feet look like? What does your pelvis look like? The alignment of the body has a lot to do with muscular balances around the joints when we're talking aches and pains versus, right, like traumatic chronic pain from somebody who had a, a very serious car accident. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always looking at, okay, let's look at what the joint is, where is it coming from? Where's the pain coming from? And how is your body aligned? A lot of people think, and I'm sure, I'm sure you, you touch upon this, a lot of people think, you know, here we are just to put a date to it, you know, we're coming upon Halloween and and Halloween, we see that Halloween skeleton, right? A lot of people think the human body is held up in place by that skeleton and you're not, your muscles are actually holding your bones together. Yeah. So when we try to approach pain from it being a bone integration problem, I'm like, well, but your bones are there because of your muscles. So let's take a look at what the muscles are doing. So again, I always bring it back to strength training, but from a place of finding balance. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's why it's so important to have, like you said, an intentional program that is built around, you know, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Like generally speaking, I could probably give most people with chronic pain or like a certain set of injuries, I could probably give them like a set of exercises that's probably going to help them quite a bit. Um, but once you get to a certain point, it's like, you, you've got to be doing stuff that intentionally addresses that at least some of the time. And there's, unfortunately, that's, it's really boring to, to do that. And totally. so don't like, yeah. Um, yeah. but, you know, just kind of touching on that as well, the, the, um, connective tissue disorder that I have, and, you know, some of the clients that come to me, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, it's, it's a very systemic thing. And we have these things called flare-ups, right? And at least for my type of Ehlers-Danlos, I haven't seen any conclusive research on why flare-ups happen. Like there is a chronic inflammation component there. We all have, like, we're super injury prone. So I'm sure that has something to do with it. We're just constantly in balance and resting muscle tension is really high. Um, But I noticed that when I was training for a bikini competition, I was fine until I started to put more physiological stress on my body, which consisted of lack of sleep and lack of calories. Mm. And then I had the most flare-ups I have ever had in my life in Mm. like a six month period, something Mm. like that. And it had nothing to do with the training. The training actually got less intense. It was like the other stuff that played into it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Just general, like my body was just stressed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think you don't realize how much all that plays into it until maybe you climb out of that spot of chronic inflammation. And then you're like, Oh, maybe sleep is important. Like right. drinking water is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It comes back to the allopathic load that we always talk about. It's like, what is the summation of all of the stress on your body? Wow. So I have a, I have a pretty severe autoimmune disorder and it's mm-hmm. the same thing. It's like out of nowhere, you get a flare up and life is too complex to figure out what contributed, but it's always everything, right? It's always the, the, the confluence of all the stuff, whether it's lack of sleep or physiological load or stress or whatever it may be. I'm so with you. And that is the hardest part when we're working with people who aren't professionals in our industry, because they just don't have the bandwidth to really understand how complex it can get. Mm. to fix chronic pain. It's a, it's a, um, education. It's a master's level education in your own body. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you would agree with this, but at least my philosophy with my clients is that, you know, pain-free fitness, it's actually not about eradicating pain because I think when you set yourself up for that, especially when you have an autoimmune thing or a connective tissue thing that almost sets you up to be disappointed. Um, it's about learning kind of what your movement menu is when you do, when you do have a flare up, when you do dislocate your shoulder and your sleep or whatever happens. Right. Um, and, and so it's, it's not about expecting, okay, well, if I do this set of things and if I eat this way, I'm never going to have pain again. It's like, all right, how am I going to deal with this moving forward? Um, do you feel that that's been kind of a, a similar approach that you've taken with your autoimmune disorder? Yes and no. You know, I would say certainly my autoimmune disorder is different than a connective tissue issue, right? And there are definite um, contributors that I'm able to identify. Hmm. So to some degree, it's like the more I stay away from the stuff that very clearly makes me feel terrible, the better I feel. And I actually do believe pain isn't so much my issue from the sense of chronic pain. Like you talk about in your community, mine is more, I feel like crap. And that comes with a pain scale, right? It's low energy. It's depression symptoms. It's feeling like crap. I don't have, I don't have acute pain. I don't have chronic pain other than emotional pain. So it's a little different, but, um, absolutely. Like if I can keep my habits very on track, I have a lot more pain-free days Mm. than when I'm not adhering to the menu, as you would say. There's a menu of stuff that works 
and there's a menu of stuff I got to keep my eyes on. And if I get too many of those things from one menu on the other menu, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great point because there are constants and then there also are variables. Like there are things, for example, like I mentioned, I know for me, lack of sleep and under eating are two things that almost always result in pain for me or injury that I don't know where it comes from, whatever it is. Um, and then there's also kind of a random nature to what my body can handle every day. And so there's like a, a, a constant thing. And then there's also these dynamic elements that are like, okay, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if my capabilities today are going to be different than they were yesterday, but I guess I'll find out yeah. <laughs> and if they are, then I'll deal with it, you know? And I feel like that, that mental component, it almost gives you a sense of lightness. Like, okay, mm. it's not the end of the world. If I, if I hurt today, <laughs> I can do yeah. something. Um, well, I, I'm going to save my next question for kind of after, after this part, because I do want to get into kind of like how people can find you, because I feel like you have such a, you, you have a very complimentary niche to mine. And I'm sure some people are going to listen and think, I, I can't really work with Mariah, but I really want to work with Holly uh, or maybe get your book. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about like the work um, that you do, how people can find you, where they can find your book, all that. Yeah. So my book, you can find at bookstores, um, online, Amazon, all of the typical places, anywhere you would find a book. It's lift to get lean. It's a, um, women's health branded book. You can find me through my website, hollyperkins.com. I offer two really fabulous, um, high value freebies. If you want to download one is for nutrition, one is for strength training. So I've got an incredible 14 page, guidebook on the basics of my approach to nutrition. And you can get that by going to hollyperkins.com forward slash macros. Or if you're someone who is looking for just a basic strength training program to get you started, something to help you come back from a minor injury, or if you've taken time off from your workouts, you can come to hollyperkins.com forward slash offer. And there's a 10 page download um, strength and cardio program. That's totally free. Perfect. That's amazing. Yeah. So if, I mean, guys, if you're listening to this and you don't really know if you want to commit to something yet, I think that's a beautiful way to start. You know, I think that's, uh, sometimes it just takes like a little bit of information that clicks with you. And it sounds like those resources are fantastic. So we will link all of those up in the, in the show notes. Um, and I feel like I could chat with you forever. Like there's so much more that I want to talk about. I'd love to have you on again. <laughs> um, but yeah. um, since we are coming to the end of kind of our time, I do want to get into some of the rapid fire questions because I would love to hear your answers to these. Are you ready? Yeah. Awesome. Um, so the, the first question is, what do you feel is currently the biggest uh, common misconception or lie in the fitness industry? That reaching your goal fast is going to be easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Can you speak specifically to kind of like maybe an example of what that might look like? Lose 10 pounds in two weeks. Lose 10 pounds in 10 days. I mean, you know, years ago, there was a fitness expert that wrote a book, 10 pounds in 10 days. And I was just like, really, really eating 900 calories a day. It's just ridiculous. So that's a big one, you know, 10 pounds in 10 days Yeah, done. It can be done, but it's not going to be easy. Absolutely. Yeah. There's got to be like a, a sequel that's like, and you're going to be depressed <laughs> and you're going to be really grumpy and you're probably going to gain it all back in two days. <laughs> so just prepare for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, what is the best advice you ever received regarding your fitness or health? Stick to the basics and do them over and over and over with strategy. Go back to the basics. You don't need to body hack, biohack anything. You don't need the fastest, bestest, newest way. The basics work. What do you feel are a couple of the basics that like have just, you've just used since the beginning when it comes to your training or your nutrition? So nutrition, eat to stabilize blood sugar. Make sure that you're getting enough protein fat, the right amount of protein, fat, and carbohydrates. Basic nutrition. 
Um, when it comes to strengthening and strength and conditioning, strengthen the major muscle groups of the body with the basic, simple moves. You don't need to do all kinds of crazy, funky stuff on 45 different apparatus, like the basics work, master your basics, you're pushing, you're pulling, your level change, some version of a squat, some version of a lunge, some version of a pull, some version of a push. When you get the basics down and strengthen the major muscles of the body in balance, it just does wonders. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. Those, those fundamentals have kind of withstood the test of time. And even though every body is unique, there's variants of those that we can do. You know, I agree that the squatting movement pattern is really important. And if you can't stand for some reason, there's a way that we can adjust that in order to get to something that you're working similar muscle groups or like similar patterns. And so that's what I love about those is yeah. they're really universal. Awesome. What is something you used to preach to your clients, trainees, whoever it might be that you no longer advocate for? Uh, stretching before a strength workout. Mm -hmm. It reduces the ability of the muscle, you know? So there's something, it's different, like range of motion, opening up your range of motion. Mobility is different than stretching, yeah. but stretching prior to a strength workout just reduces the ability of the muscle. So I don't, I don't really even talk. I, you probably talk a lot about stretching. I don't talk a lot about stretching. Mobility, yes. Stability, yes. But flexibility, not as much. Yeah, I think if anything, and I'm sure this approach will change a little bit. Generally speaking, I recommend stabilizing pre-workout yeah. and yeah. You know, kind of maybe balancing and then yep. mobilizing after. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do think there are some cases where maybe doing some mobility prior, but I almost never have my clients, especially my hypermobile clients, just like do classic yeah. stretching. <laughs> I think it's kind of overrated, <laughs> to be honest. So I I 100% agree with you there. Uh, last question is what is your favorite quote and why? Tell me, what is it you will do with your one wild and precious life? Hmm. Mary Oliver. Yeah. I love that. What, what about that quote speaks to you? You get one life, it's wild and it's precious. It really, to me, brings forward this notion of the urgency of life, as well as the tumultuousness that it can be at times. And yet, what will you do with this opportunity? What will you do with it? Because you get one. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That is a wonderful place to end. I think that's beautiful. And yeah, there's, like I said, there's so much more that I want to talk to you about, especially about like, you know, just being a woman in the industry and all that. Like I totally. have things that I wanted to talk to you about. Let's do it. Yes. Um, so I would, I would love that. Have you on again. And yeah. this was fantastic. Like I said, we will link up all of Holly's uh, links and offers and all of that in the show notes. And if you got value from this, definitely like subscribe, write a review and then tag us and let us know kind of what you, what you thought. Um, but Holly, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on and it was awesome talking to you. Thanks so much for having me. All right, my friends have a pain-free day and we will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening today. I'd really appreciate it if you could like subscribe and leave a review on the podcast so that more people can hear us in the future. Have a pain-free day.